Talk 1110, 99.3, WBT, Pete Callender here, hour number two. Uh, it does appear that the uh, that, that North Carolina, to, to, to what is this thing called, uh, racial and equity, com- commission of racial and equity disparities, whatever, uh, that uh, that this woman was on. Uh, apparently just deleted their page after the the Twitter debate, if you can call it that, that she engaged in with yours truly this morning and for several hours, and she's actually continuing to say just really vile things to various other people. This is the uh, Deputy Director of Engagement for the North Carolina ACLU, telling people to perform various acts on themselves and on her to consume her feces oh yeah just in graphic nasty language on twitter all because she went down to the uh, legislature yesterday afternoon and there was a public comment period for the parents bill of rights in the senate rules committee and there were a lot of people it's like two hours of public comment here i just got the i was just sent the audio she's on the audio i would have to find it i don't know if i care so much to do that but maybe but I'm just I'm scrolling through trying to listen to the beginning to get their names or whatever. I'm just hearing just the most the most ridiculous arguments, but whatever. So she she went down there. She makes some comments about this Bill of Rights and says that this is under the cloak of night. They're passing this because it's 7 p.m. I just got done with my comments and it's almost 7 p.m. So that's cloak of night. This is ramming something through in the middle of the night. It's 7 p.m. on a Monday night. That's and I just disagree with that. I said, I don't think that's an accurate description. She then says, move along, shut up, or I'm going to start calling you a racist and a homophobe. And so I don't, I don't care. You can call me whatever you want to. I'm not going to shut up. In fact, when you tell me to shut up, I talk more. It's, I'm a bit of a contrarian like that. It's true. And so uh, I, don't, I don't react well to those sorts of threats. And so uh, I may have poked her just a wee bit. Uh, and I said, I've been covering meetings for 20 plus years. She then said, oh, this is this is the legislature. I'm a lobbyist. And I said, yeah, I've been covering that, too, for 20 years. So I know what you're saying is a lie. Don't be stupid. And that set her off. And then she started accusing me of wanting to or, or actually ordering. She 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 was demanding that I come and perform sex acts on her, which I think would be impossible because she doesn't have the right plumbing. But then again, I don't know. I didn't ask if she's trans. Maybe she I don't know. Just a really weird thing to say to somebody. But my point then was when I was engaging the director of engagement with the ACLU, I was pointing out this is like this is you're you're using gay sex as a slur. And I and I am always curious to find out why people that purport to be of the left think that it's okay to use these types of slurs against people as insults. Why would you think that's insulting to somebody? Are you saying that I should feel insulted by that? Why? See, they're telling on themselves. That's what happens. They're telling on themselves. Uh, yeah. She then says, and if you, so then, oh, then I also, I, I alerted the North Carolina General Assembly police, but not, I didn't, I did not label the, or, or tag them. I said, uh, somebody should let the, the Capitol Police up there in Raleigh know that they have a deranged person walking their halls. And then she says, 
Yep, and if you was a real one, you would meet me there. But like most people, white men, Twitter fingers. I almost sent her the picture of me at the legislature, but I just I opted not to. It's just like this isn't because at some point you realize this person is having a, a, some sort of a a mental crisis, you know. And at some point you realize that this isn't nice to keep feeding them like that. And so I so then I just. I stop. I'll, I'll mute them or something and let them go on their way. But I do think it's important that the ACLU understands, like, this might be why you guys are not getting, like, a damn thing done up in Raleigh. Just a heads up on that one. If this is your director of engagement for the state chapter and a lobbyist for your organization, although I'm not clear if she lobbies for the ACLU or if she is lobbying for some other organization, I don't know. But, but I, I got a pretty good guess of what the track record would be on legislative successes. <laughs> so, so when progressives are looking around, when you lefties in North Carolina are looking around like, I don't know why we can't get anything done. I do. I got an idea. Um, do, do, why do, oh, yeah. So I, I said, uh, uh, why does she think calling somebody gay is an insult? I'm not sure that's an effective lobbying strategy. And then, uh, I mean, and you can go on to Twitter and you can see all of this. It's pretty amazing. I got a couple of emails here. Uh, and I'm going to move on to some other state business in a moment. Uh, this is from Tim. He says, uh, regarding that ACLU nut job, to paraphrase Charles Krauthammer, though I'd be inclined to say first refuge rather than last, but, quote, they say patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel. Accusations of racism is the last refuge of the liberal scoundrel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I'd say last. I think it's first now. And uh, Joe says, tweets like that from a lobbyist for the ACLU over sex and gender identity curriculum in schools, it reveals what their real agenda is. They're just degenerates pushing degeneracy. It's not any more complicated than that. Twitter is where the street goons of the movement let the mask slip. That is, that is very often the case, I have found. Uh, Scott wants to know, can I re-listen to today's show? I have to go for a walk with my wife, and I don't want to miss this. You absolutely can, Scott, although I don't know if you're missing this right now. Uh, the podcast goes up after every single hour. Every hour is its own standalone episode. You can get it uh, at WBT.com. You can get it at any of your favorite um, uh, podcasting platforms. Uh, we have the BT app and the PeteCallenterShow.com. Uh, you get links to all of the podcasting. So, And people sometimes will ask, what's the best What's the best platform to listen? Do you get credits for listening on one podcast platform over another, like Apple versus Google or something? And the answer to that is no. It's, it's all the same. It all counts. So no, whatever you are comfortable with, whatever you like, you know, Spotify or Pandora, whatever. I don't, does Pandora do the – I think they do the podcast now. So whatever your podcast preference is, uh, you just do that. And then just search the name, follow it, and boom, that's how you do it. But you could also listen live on the BT app. Go to WBT.com, and there's a little – got to find – you got to go to the podcast page, and then there's this tiny little button. I think it looks like a, looks like a, little, round, like a little round dot on the top of a stick, almost like a radio stick, I guess, and it's got, like, circles around it. And it, that's uh, – I think it says follow. So it doesn't say subscribe. I think it says follow. But any platform will do. All righty. So what else have we got going on? Well, the North Carolina Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, mind you, has now agreed to rehear cases involving 
the election maps that we all just voted under, thanks to the the Democrat majority on the court, the 4-3 majority, uh, they rammed through that decision, rammed through the maps, took it out of the legislature's hands. Legislature then uh, filed an appeal, and they went, took it to the U.S. Supreme Court. We'll get to that in a minute. But that's the first thing that the state Supreme Court has agreed to rehear. It's not even been a year, right? This is very, very unusual. North Carolina State Supreme Court does not take up the same case. Doesn't say, ah, oh, you know what? Let's uh, give me, bring that back. Let me do a do-over on that one. I'm going to call a mulligan. It just doesn't happen very often. And now it happened twice because now you've got the Republicans that just won the majority on the state Supreme Court, and now they're fixing to fix the two rulings that the 4-3 Democrat majority rushed out the door as a lame duck zombie court in order to stick it to the GOP, in order to pay back their progressive benefactors, right, to give them the win that they could not achieve legislatively. That's what all this stuff comes down to. Well, that and the accusations of racism, right? Because as we remember, remember the story that uh, Hal Weatherman told when he and Dan Forrest went up to Philadelphia for some uh, some big, like, uh, bicentennial or something, uh, and it was all the original 13 colonies, the governors and lieutenant governors of all the states of the original 13 colonies. They went to Philadelphia, and they thought, because Cooper had just won, he had beaten McCrory, and Dan Forrest went in, his, in, in place of Cooper because Cooper couldn't go. So he asked Dan Forrest to go. So they all thought that Dan Forrest was the lieutenant governor, or it was a Democrat. He was lieutenant governor. They thought he was a Democrat because he went in Cooper's place. And so they're sitting around talking, and Terry McAuliffe and Ed Rendell are talking about how they're going to be launching all these lawsuits against the Republican legislatures over redistricting. And McAuliffe says, it doesn't matter if we win. The point is to call them racists. That's literally what he told Dan Forrest. That's the, he said, if we win, it's gravy. But the point is to be able to call them racist. To pay, their maps are racist. They're trying to disenfranchise black voters. And they're doing that in order to make sure that black voters do not ever vote for Republicans. That was the plan. They told him that. And then they found out he was a Republican. And they were like, uh, oh, remember earlier when I said that thing? I mean, you know, we're just kidding, right? I mean, I was just, we were just joking. Yeah, like their whole demeanor changed as soon as they found out. Because they started something like uh, uh, saying something to the effect of, oh, well, what's, it, what's it like working with that Republican legislature, huh? And he's like, oh, it's actually really great. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I bet it totally stinks, right? No, it's awesome. We got a lot done. And he's like, you know, I'm a Republican, right? <laughs> and then their mood changed. The mood all changed. Cred. Yeah, they removed the uh, list of all of the members of the commission thanks to Christy Puckett's meltdown today on Twitter. But, like, and this is the thing too. And I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna move on now. I know people are. I mean, the the Twitter storm has arrived. Okay, it it is swirling around her right now. But here's the thing. This is just the first time she got caught. Right. This isn't new behavior for, from her. She didn't wake up today and just start behaving like this all of a sudden. 
This is a pattern. She's been behaving like this for a very long time. You can see the results or the evidence of that rather in her Twitter feed. So this has been okay. So everybody else that's been around her and worked with her, whatever, like they, they've all been okay with that. But for some reason now it's like, ooh, oh. Now for some reason they're worried. Now for some reason this reflects poorly. So the commission members, I mean, Marsha Mori is on this list. She's state house representative. Um, Wake County Superior Court judge, president of the North Carolina NAACP. Uh, oh, I think that's Josh Stein's wife, the attorney general's wife. Here, Louis Trosh, Judge Trosh. Uh, James D. Law Offices of James D. Williams. Uh, that's James Williams. And then James E. Williams, former public defender. Uh, James Woodall, district attorney, Chatham and Orange Counties. State juvenile, just, uh, State juvenile Defender. Chris Blue, Chapel Hill Police Department, Chief of Police. All these people served with her on this commission. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she doesn't talk like this in person. Maybe she doesn't behave like that. I doubt it. But this is who she's. This is who she serves with. So anyway, this, like I said, it's not the first time she's behaved like this. It's the first time that apparently anybody has been willing to point it out, and now at least to their credit, NC Cred has taken down their list of members. I'm sure it's completely unrelated. Thank you for sending it, Keith. He got a screenshot off of the Wayback Machine. So yes, confirmed. They did pull the site down after I guess we started talking about it today. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> so uh, let's get back to this North uh, North Carolina Supreme Court. Uh, they are now going to hear, rehear, I should say, rehear two different cases. So the first one, uh, they are looking at Holmes v. Moore. State Supreme Court ruled uh, on this one. This was a 4-3 decision. They both were actually, right? Uh, Democrats over Republicans, 4-3 decision to strike down the voter ID law that we democratically voted for the North Carolina voting public went out to the polls approved voter ID into the US or the US into the state constitution by a 55 to 45 percent margin a 10 point margin that is a landslide double digits that's what's traditionally known as a landslide victory it's when you get 10 percent or more of course I don't know maybe that Maybe that definition changes like the definition of a recession needed to change. But but for now, we're still going with that. OK, so we all voted for voter ID. The state legislature then wrote a bill. That bill allowed for it is like the most liberal voter ID law in the land. Like you cannot find another voter ID law on the books. And there are 35 other states that have them. But you're not going to find another state that's got more lax rules on this stuff than North Carolina did, which goes to prove the point. There is literally no law on voter ID that the left will uh, the left will accept. They will block everything and they use the courts because they can't win in the legislative arena. On this issue, it's like it's like 70 percent plus approval. Most Americans of all racial demographics, of all demographics, except for leftists, 
want voter ID, are okay with it. So uh, in the Holmes v. Moore, Justice Michael Morgan wrote for the Democrats. He dissented from the, uh, uh, from the order that said we're going to rehear this case. He said the allowance of this extraordinary remedy to petitioners in this case under the existing circumstances may serve to foment concerns that North Carolina's highest state court is engaged in the determination of challenging and legitimate legal disputes with a perceived desire to reach outcomes which are inconsistent with this court's well-established principles of adherence to legal precedent, stare decisis, and the rule of law. Yes, you know what, Judge? Your Honor, you know what? You are correct, sir. We no longer believe that the court is acting impartially and, and apolitically. And you know why? Because of what you guys did. You fast-tracked these cases so you could decide them before you got thrown out of office. So, yeah, we don't trust you. And so here's the thing. When the left gets power, they use it. They use it. You're seeing this right now in Florida as well, where you've got Ron DeSantis, and he's now, what, taken over one of these colleges that's like, needed to be taken over, and he's, he's appointed a bunch of people, Chris Rufo being one of them, big anti-critical race theory guy. And so they're going in there and they're dismantling the DEI programs. They're dismantling it at the state level. And the, the, the blowback you are hearing from the left, it's, it's hilarious. So, like, let me get this straight. We're not supposed to engage. We're not supposed to do these things. So when you guys take power, you advance the ball. And when the conservatives get power, they don't do anything. They don't repeal stuff. They just, they just stay put. And then at some point, the pendulum swings again. You guys get back into power, and you advance the ball again. And what you're seeing in Florida is now they're saying, no. And that's what Moms for Liberty, too. They're saying, no, this is not we're, not, we're not simply arguing for status quo anymore. This is now, this, this is now the culture war. And I pointed this out on Twitter as well, but I had to tell the guys uh, that I've argued with him before. His name is, I think, Chris Nordstrom or something like that, and he works for some uh, leftist think tank thing. I think he used to be a legislative staffer, but whatever. Uh, you know, he, he made some comment, and I said, look, I don't have time to argue with you. I found somebody way stupider. So I was arguing with that ACLU chick. Um, but he, you know, he, he's the same way, ma- making these arguments that we're not supposed to fight back I said, this is the culture war. You guys have been shooting at people in this culture war, and now you're crying that they're shooting back. You don't get to cry about that. You guys you guys started it when you took over this, when you created the model of schools with the progressive movement. That's when it started. You got government-run schools, and schools transmit the, the, uh, the culture and our norms. And so, yes, that's where the fight's going to occur. That's the perfectly appropriate place for it to happen is in the halls of government. Because that's, look, you want it out of government? I'm with you. You want to reduce politics and all of this? Fantastic. Get government out of all this stuff. You get government out, politics goes away. It's kind of, the, it's kind of part of the deal with GovCo. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. So uh, North Carolina Supreme Court says now it's going to rehear two cases, voter ID case and the redistricting case. These are the cases that the Democrats ruled in a 4-3 majority as they were getting voted out. They knew they were going to lose 
or they had a 99% you know, gut feeling they were going to lose. So they, they fast-tracked cases through. They issued rulings on their way out the door, and these rulings blew up understandings of law until that point. They just conjured up law. They conjured up rules. And we'll take them one at a time, I guess. First is the, uh, well, here, this is from Associated Press. The two Democratic justices lamented the orders, because now it's 5-2 Republican, right? The two Democratic justices lamented the orders and said they stood against more than 200 years of court history in which rehearings have been exceedingly rare. They said it appeared it was happening simply because the court's partisan makeup had changed. And again, I say that is true. They can now correct your BS rulings. Right. That is why it's happening. Had you not done what you did, they would not be doing what they did. So, right, you guys acted in a way that was completely inappropriate. You acted in a way that was uh, that was not normal by skipping the Court of Appeals and fast-tracking the case right to you so you could get that ruling in because you knew you were going to lose in November. You would lose the majority. So just like you played games... Right? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Here's your stupid prize. The court's rehearing order mentions little about the topics to be considered. It just said that the court uh, can the case can be reheard if the petitioner makes a satisfactory showing that the opinion may be erroneous. The legislator's petition or arguments met those requirements, so they say. All right, so first up, let's do voter ID. All right. Going back to December, 4-3 decision. Court's Democrat justices said they saw no reason to disturb the 2021 ruling that voided the photo ID law. So they upheld that lower court ruling that lefties had uh, gotten them. And so they, they rubber stamped that one. The lower court had said that the law violated the Equal Protection Clause of the state constitution because it was tainted by racial bias and designed to help Republicans retain their grip on the General Assembly. There was never any proof of that, by the way. There was never any proof. They just said, well, you know, North Carolina's got a history of doing really racisty things with voter uh, voter laws and such. And that is true, right? Democrats, man, they did a whole bunch of racisty things to keep black people from voting for like a century and a half, 200 years. It's crazy. They, they overthrew a government in Wilmington. They murdered a whole bunch of people. They murdered Republicans, black people, burned down the newspaper out there, whipped into a frenzy by the uh, by the Charlotte or the Raleigh News and Observer. Now, now part and parcel with the new uh, the the Charlotte Observer, the McClatchy Papers. Oh yeah, was it Josephus Daniels, Joseph Josiah Daniels, whatever his name was, the publisher? Oh yeah, I mean Klansmen, like literally. So yes, there is history there. Um, and uh, then there was the uh, the voter ID law that was passed in 2011 that was struck down as well. Um, and they cite that as the proof. That's the evidence that, see, they're trying to be racist again by doing voter ID. Anita Earls wrote the decision. We hold Anita Earls, recall, she was the one who was still allowed to to vote on all of these rulings. And I really do consider them to be basically votes at this point now. Uh, So thank you, activist judges, for bringing me to this uh, mindset. So you're now voting for rulings and, um, you know, one of them will write the ruling, but it's all just rationalizations. You got so many laws, you just point to stuff and you impugn motives, you assume motives. And that's what she did. And that's what they they found. They said, we found that the findings of fact are supported by competent evidence. 
showing the statute was motivated by a racially discriminatory purpose. This was a bipartisan law, by the way. Bipartisan law that was passed for photo ID after voters put it on the ballot and or after voters voted for it when it was put on the ballot. And this argument was that they should never have been allowed to vote on it because people got elected under gerrymandered districts. The lawmakers were elected under gerrymandered districts. And so rather than follow the precedent, because now Democrats are all about following precedent, that was as of like two months ago, right? Now oh no, it's precedent. You can't change that law. You can't rehear that case. That's precedent. It's like, it's like so old. It's from December. And so can't look at that. But all of the decades of precedent where you you don't toss out laws, even if you found maps were gerrymandered. Because you would have to then scrap all the laws. It would be chaos. But that's what Democrats decided to do here. They just tossed it. Now, mind you, also, they created more chaos by not tossing any of the other laws that voters also approved, like the constitutional right to hunt and fish. That didn't get tossed out. Well, I wonder why. Income tax. Yeah, that was another one. That passed, too. They want to get rid of that, too. They want to toss those results. So they're very selective on which laws they think we should be allowed to to vote for. I think this is interesting, too. Roy Cooper and uh, his pal Mark Elias, his lawyer, Mark Elias, he of the uh, constant lawsuits for all Republican legislatures, oh, and also your cutout guy for the Steele dossier and such. Um, Mark Elias, they're both... They're both co- they're both calling this the, uh, the attack on democracy. And it got me thinking. I'm actually concerned about this. Is it possible here that we are in violation of some sort of trademark with the term our democracy or the democracy? You know, like we're not allowed to say the Super Bowl, but I could say it right there. I just can't use it in like a promotional uh, uh, context. So everybody just says the big game, right? Because nobody, nobody wants to pay the NFL to say the word Super Bowl, right? So is it like that? Are we running afoul of the trademark? So, all right. So rather than call it our democracy, I just want to be safe here. I want to protect the license. I don't want to cost the station any money. So from now on, when we hear people on the left talking, when they say things like our democracy, from now on, we're just going to call it the big game. That's, that's, that. I'm, just, I'm going to try to make this happen. Uh, you could be a part of it as well. So from now on, instead of saying uh, when reading something or hearing somebody and they say, oh, our democracy, you say, oh, the big game. Because it's trademarked. Do you have the rights to say that? I'm just kind of curious if I can make it happen. If I can start making people swap this terminology out. Okay, yes, it is kind of 4chan-ish. It is, admittedly. But I still want to see what happens. The fear, this is Roy, uh, Roy Cooper's uh, statement that he put out after the Supreme Court said, yeah, we'll take another look at that. Uh, that voter ID ruling because it was complete hot garbage. Uh, Cooper says, quote, the fear that this Republican Supreme Court would give in to all the demands of the Republican legislature, regardless of the Constitution, precedent or judicial independence, is now clearly justified. So just by rehearing the case, just because they're like, you know what? The process that was used to hear that case was completely corrupted by partisan politics on the left. So we're going to do a rehearing of this case. And yeah, we're probably going to come to a different conclusion because that last ruling was hot garbage. So now this is, of course, the threat to the democracy. It's also kind of an attack on the judiciary. I'm old enough to remember when Roy Cooper didn't like people attacking the judiciary. And attacking the judiciary was simply 
anybody questioning any of their rulings. See, once again, when the left controls the lever of power, you must bend the knee. Everything has this, you know, this seal of approval. This is okay. These assumptions are all baked into their arguments. It's very, it, it, hey, we issued this ruling. You need to follow it. Roe v. Wade, it's settled law. Climate change, it's settled science, right? All of these things are settled because they say so. And then when the right pushes back or if ever they get control of the lever of power and they're like, you know what? I'm going to swing this lever back the other way. Then all of a sudden, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. We, we can't. That's fill in the blank with IST words after them, right? Racist, sexist, whatever, just like we heard from the ACLU person. Standard play. Roy Cooper's playing the standard play. All right, one last point on the voter ID law that's now getting a, or the the Supreme Court ruling that's not getting a rehearing from the state Supreme Court. One last point on this is, you know, Roy Cooper's very, very upset. Oh, my gosh, the partisan nature of the court because the Republicans won control on a 5-2, ele- uh, 5-2 body now after the election. Two election cycles that Republicans kept winning judge races because voters are sick of the crap that the Democrats were doing. So Republicans now take control. And, of course, the Democrats rammed through a bunch of cases right before they were shown the door as a zombie court. So Roy Cooper is, you know, he says, this threatens the the public's confidence in the courts and the very foundation of our big game. All right. But you got to remember something about old Roy, our good friend Ray. Good friend Ray Cooper. You've got to remember, he and Attorney General Josh Stein both have tried at every step to stop voter ID from being implemented to the point where they they refused to do their jobs. They, so remember, as attorney general, and he was running for governor against McCrory, Roy Cooper pulled out of the of the case, right? Re- publicly, repeatedly disparaged the voter ID law, even when he was supposed to be defending it in court. But he was out there on the courthouse steps trash-talking it. So legislative leaders went out and got their own lawyers. At the time, Cooper said, you go right ahead and do that. I don't want to have to defend it. Then, according to Tim Moore's office, after a three-judge panel of partisan Democrats struck down, the law, Cooper immediately refused to appeal it, claiming that at the time that the council, uh, that the outside lawyers can handle any appeals. Josh Stein testified against the law in court while he had publicly announced his interest in running for attorney general, making exaggerated claims that the law was abusive and an assault. That is assault. Many of which he later published on his campaign fundraising website. His dad represented the plaintiffs in the voter ID case and has benefited for years from past attempts to undermine the state's case. So these are the guys that were supposed to be leading the charge on this law protecting our vote when we when we approved it in the uh, state constitution the other one the other thing redistricting that's what's also going to get a rehearing and this one might actually affect the u.s supreme court here is a piece at npr by hansi lo wang or hansi hansi i'll read it in my npr voice (laughs) i'm kidding an unusual move by north carolina's highest state court has raised the question 
of whether the U.S. Supreme Court will end up throwing out a major election case about a once fringe theory that could upend federal elections across the country. Late last week, the North Carolina Supreme Court, where Republican justices recently took over the majority after the last election, the state Supreme Court granted a request from GOP lawmakers to rehear their case, which at the state level involves the redistricting maps. Depending on how and when the state court rules on that, there's a March 14th hearing, it might change the path that the uh, the independent legislature theory is going at the U.S. level, at the U.S. Supreme Court level. This is the, quote, once fringe theory that NPR describes. And by the way, that is, once again, another adoption of the left-wing talking point as the as the narrative, right? You So you got, they call it a once fringe theory. That's narrative adoption and amplification. That is what the left calls it. And so now it just becomes the boilerplate language to describe it for everything else. The Moore v. Harper case, right? This is the challenge to the North Carolina Supreme Court ruling in a case Harper v. Hall, which resulted in striking down the legislative maps. They called them unconstitutional, gerrymandered, state Democrat majority on the Supreme Court struck down the maps. And then, remember, they like, you could totally redraw them. Oh, psych, no, you can't. You know, didn't give enough time, and then they used somebody else to do it. They appointed the special masters who were apparently in communication with some of the people. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's all above board. So they, they got the maps done. After the midterm elections, you get the new court. At the state level, they're going to rehear this case, though. And if they change that ruling somehow, there may not be a need to hear the case at the U.S. Supreme Court level which they've already heard. The U.S. Supreme Court has already heard it. The question is, do we, do we issue the ruling, our opinion on the matter, do we send this down if now the law is changed and it makes the point moot? I think they would have to go along with it anyway. I think they would have to issue the ruling. I mean, you've already heard the arguments. You've probably already been working on the drafts and stuff, so you might as well do it. But now this adds another... It, it adds a wrinkle into the decision-making process, which I think we all are pretty clear on what's occurring now at the U.S. Supreme Court level, where there is wrangling that occurs, right? There are deals that are cut. People's, people's votes get persuaded, shall we say, one way or the other. So, I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they're like, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter now, so let's write a rule and let's, like, make up some law. It's possible. I don't know. I got my eyes on Roberts. All right, up next, an update on the Alec Murdoch trial down in Colleton County. Oh, boy, yesterday, man. Woo, doozy. Doozy.